Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention of Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. Hey, Curtis. Today, we have Dr. Mark Benden. He is a certified professional ergonomist and the department head at Texas A&M Health Center. He's also the director of the Ergonomics Center at Texas A&M. He's going to talk to us today a little bit about sit to stand and the remote worker that we've been so inundated with and hearing about that over the last year. And Lauren did a great job last time of kind of giving us a little quick intro. And so this is, he's kind of the Yoda to Lauren and was basically there to help bring her up to speed. So it's great to go to that uh, wise knowledge and learn from, from him and giving his really practical insights and things that he sees and the angle he sees as a researcher and how scientists are trying to make working at home a better experience. You know, and he also talks about how this research actually started prior to the pandemic. And so this isn't something that's just been going on in the last year. It's been something that's researched over the last few years. And so take a listen to his insights today on how Sit to Stand can help the productivity of your company. So it's great to have you on, Mark. And in this past year, you know, we've had this new term that is very, very relevant to work from home or the remote office worker. And from what we've seen, it's probably going to be around a while. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. So what are some things, some considerations or, or concerns from an ergonomic point of view that our listeners should really be aware of when it comes to working from home? Great question. Yeah, we're seeing a whole bunch of changes, right? The good news is that many of these changes were already occurring pre-pandemic. And so the the idea of you know this long year of work from home and the remote worker, many of those questions were already being asked and answered before we got into this. The reality of it was, though, that it was a very small percentage of the workforce, probably around 5%, that were working from home full-time. And then about another quarter, 20 to 25%, who are working from home some days. And we're referring that now, we call that the hybrid model, where you do a little time in the office and a little time working from home during the week. So what we're running into now is that it appears from the biggest corporations who are, in many cases, switching to 100% remote, even after the pandemic is completely behind us. It looks like we're going to have this hybrid model for a lot more folks, maybe up to 40 to 50% of our workforce, rather than maybe 20%, will be working under some sort of a hybrid pattern. And that definitely puts more of us in the home for many more days per year. And the big concern from an ergonomic point of view is that have we done the right things in that home office to allow it to be effective as a, as a tool? Because you know our office, just like our computer and other things, that's a tool for us to use to get our work done safely and productively. And so have we designed that space the way that we typically did in the past with commercial office spaces? You know, there we we really went the extra mile with all of the things that we provide for workers in that environment, starting with even the electronics, the connectivity, what things are hooked up wirelessly, the computer systems, the firewalls, those are big security concerns for IT folks when you're working from home. All of the equipment in the office from the chair, the workstation, anything that holds up the monitor, positions the monitor, the lighting. And now we're even finding the indoor air quality has really become a whole other question that, again, was asked and answered 
in the commercial spaces, but not so much yet in the homes. And so we're really, really just beginning, I think, on this journey. But we have a lot of work to do if we're going to put folks in their home offices on a long-term basis moving forward past COVID. What are some of the simple things people can do when they are working from home to make a difference for themselves? Well, I think, first of all, we probably need to look at it from a well-being standpoint, right? So we need to consider all aspects of our life, whether it's mental health, physical health, spiritual health. We need to understand the impact on family. In fact, I, I tell people often that we're really not working from home. We're living at work. There's a big difference there, right? It's subtle, but there's a big I don't difference. Know, I don't know if that's a depressing and, uh, thought or a happy thought. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and so, you know, that idea that all of a sudden, wow, if you had told me that pre-pandemic, if you said, hey, why don't you go up to your office and live there? I would have said, ugh, right? Like, that sounds terrible. I don't, I don't want to live at the office. I want to get home to my family and my hobbies and my fun things, right? I get out of the office. So, but yet, here we are, we, we are living at work. And as I said, many of us will continue to do that, at, at least on a partial basis going forward. And, and quite a few of the larger corporations will do this for everyone. And so, you know, to answer your question, I think we're, we're struggling with how to, you know, figure this out. And we need to look at so many different aspects of what goes on in the home and the schedule and the planning. It's, it's just different. It's not a regimented, you know, kind of eight to five type thing that you can plan for. And the good news is corporations are already figuring out much of this and they realize that, you know, yeah, maybe your most productive time, Curtis, is 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. And that's okay. Uh, maybe that's when you've got your kids to bed and you're able to have a moment and maybe you're a night owl and that works good for you. And for somebody else, maybe they need to do that from uh, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. And that's when they get a lot of work cranked out. So there's going to have to be a lot more loosening up of some of the restrictive roles that we were used to when we went into a workplace. And we're going to have to do a lot better job of designing these home uh, workspaces for remote work. You know, tying just what you said as far as the design of that home workspace to your previous comment about how we, we've spent a lot of time and energy in designing an office space. You know, a lot of people had just started ordering or, you know, in the last probably five or so years, you could probably speak more to that as far as getting those sit-stand desks in place at work. What's kind of the benefit of that? Is this something we need to replicate in the home? Where do you feel as a certified professional ergonomist in, in relationship to sit-stand? So the term I like to use for this to describe this uh, situation is seamless. What I mean by seamless is that the office you occupy at work and that includes everything that you come in contact with, either physically or from a utilization standpoint, you know, your desk, your chair, your monitor, your keyboard, your mouse, all that stuff, your phone, your wireless headset, everything, that when you are at your space in your home, it's seamless. There's no difference. Everything's the same. So back to the specific point about sit-stand, yes, if you're used to and your company has been doing that in most corporations, about eight out of 10 new desk purchases by corporations right now are sit-stand designed to move to go from sitting to standing. So we need to continue that trend in the home. The types, the quality and the type of adjustability and so forth that you have in the office at work, you should have that in your home. It should be very seamless. You should basically feel like you're there no matter which one of those two environments you're in. And, and again, we're, we're going to all be kind of crossing over a lot from one to the other. Mark, any common mistakes that people are making when they're considering to move to that sit-stand workstation at home that you've noticed? So I guess there's a couple that come to mind. The, the number one mistake I would say is going cheap. You're investing in your body. 
And I hope more corporations are going to, you know, kind of foot the bill as they should, right? This is an office workstation. It's your office workspace. It's a tool for the office for your job. So I would hope employers will step up and do a little bit more. A few are doing some stipends. We see stipends right now that range from $100 all the way up to $1,000. I haven't seen anybody going above 1000 yet, but that may be coming depending on the place where you work. But you know, we really need companies to step up so that the employee doesn't go and get something that doesn't have a good range of adjustability, doesn't have good quality, falls apart, it's rickety, it's got sharp edges. We unfortunately also see some of the lower quality equipment, particularly on the furniture side, that doesn't meet some of the industry standards that we would normally look for on our products that we put in commercial spaces. So things like ANSI BIFMA testing standards. If we don't see that on those products, we probably need to stay away from them. They're, they're really not up to par. They're, they're going to fall apart. They're going to off-gas volatile organic compounds into our homes. So things like that, I think, are, are really critical on the don't go cheap. And then the other piece would be buy the right product for you know, your environment that fits and fits you. Uh, that's really important from an ergonomic perspective. That's really interesting. I wouldn't wouldn't have thought of as far as looking into. <laughs> I'm just thinking through the people that I that I know that have been working at home and you know ordering things off Amazon and getting them delivered because that's that's what we have available to us. You know, when you're when you're coming from a big large corporation, you can do that corporate sales order and do that. So that that was a really interesting great comment there, you know, and I, and I'm thinking too that especially if you're going to go cheap or not not appropriate, not the a right adjustability, you know, right now I move from my desk in my office to the bar top in the kitchen for for my height adjustability, but I'm a little on the shorter side too, so that that kind of works out for me. But any other suggestions as far as you know, if if you don't have that stipend right now, you know, maybe low budget but appropriate ideas for for people. So one one great way to go, and you kind of touched on it with your your move to the kitchen counter, is that from an ergonomic perspective, the best position that you can be in to do your work in the office is your next position. So the the concept there is movement, activity, change. We don't do well as sedentary creatures. We need to move. We heal ourselves through movement, through activity. If you've noticed, you know, the last 10 or 15 years, people who go in for a surgery now, particularly something like a knee replacement or hip replacement, my goodness, they're up and walking within hours, right? And 20 years ago, we had them lay in bed in traction for three days, right? And we couldn't figure out why they were so stiff and couldn't move. It's like, well, they need to move the joint. They need to exercise. They need to get blood flow. And, and it's kind of the out with the bad and in with the good. It's the same way for ergonomics, even for an office worker. We really do our best when we change and have variety. So we stay more alert and focused, kind of awake and on task, if you will. And we see this when we do functional near-infrared spectroscopy on the brain. And we analyze the oxidative hemoglobin, the, the amount of blood flow in the prefrontal cortex. And we look for reaction, alertness, and focus, and attention, executive function. And we see these things in people who change frequently and move and not get stuck in one particular posture. So even if half of your postures throughout the day were ones that I would look at as an ergonomist and say, ugh, yuck, right? Boy, that's not a good one. It's okay as long as you're changing them. As long as you don't hold that posture all day long, it's really not that big of a deal, right? So people say, well, should I sit on my foot? Well, not really. But if you do, just don't do it all day, right? Just you know, do it for 10 minutes. Well, should I lean over this way? Well, you know, maybe that's not the greatest, but yeah, just don't do that all day. Do it for 10 minutes. It's fine. And uh, it mixes up and changes and you know, we switch off from one group of muscles to another group of muscles. And again, that all just creates 
what we need to be healthy. It's that sitting in one position in particular all day long, you know, six or eight hours a day or more now that we're in our homes that causes so much problems for us. When employees work from home, their environment isn't standardized. So therefore, there isn't a standard solution to help them with the new ergonomic challenges they face. Those need to be handled on a case-by-case basis so they can match the needs of both the worker and their home. So Fit for Work delivers this through our Ergo Home Solutions, a one-on-one virtual consultation personalized to each employee's unique situation. And we can remote workers with our Ergo Specialist to address the complex human interactions in their home, ultimately providing an in-depth evaluation, analysis, and education recommendations to allow for more comfortable and productive work. Best part is Ergo Home is scalable to support thousands of workers delivering at-home ergonomic solutions designed to address what are becoming new but increasingly difficult challenges for workers. Head to our website, wellworkforce.com, click on Ergo Ergonomics and Ergo Home and click on connect with us to learn more. Now, uh, how is your feeling towards the uh, treadmill desk? Is that something that you've seen as a, a positive with your standing and walking or is that too much? Any great benefit to using those? I love the idea of having something in the office space or again now in our homes that we could take a break from sitting. So anything that breaks up that long sitting pattern of ours, you know, on our bottom, that's great. There are a small number of workers who can stand on a treadmill and perform work at the same, you know, kind of cognitive and performance output level. It's a small percentage. It's less than a quarter of the workforce who could do that. And so for most of us, that would diminish or decrease our ability to perform at the same level. Now, if you were on the treadmill and you were taking a phone call while doing a little walking meeting on the treadmill, I think that might be more realistic than deep thought, writing a paper, you know, focusing, you know, very attentive type work, detailed work on the computer screen. So there's a mix, there's a balance. But yeah, if you have a little uh, set of bicycle pedals under your desk or a treadmill or something and you can switch off and do that occasionally, that's fine. You just have to keep it at a very low level so that it's not so intense what we would consider exercise like you would do at the gym to where it would start to impact your performance or output. That's really interesting. I never even thought about that, the the intensity being the distracting factor itself, but the motion would be great. So really, really cool. So good tips. And now when it comes to sitting and standing, both Amber and I know this, and some people may not be, and we talked with Lauren about this also, the importance of breaking up the sitting and standing, that even just standing or just sitting isn't a good thing. Uh, we talked about the there being a ratio. Can you talk to us about what that ratio is and how you came about this? So the, the most common ratio that's been talked about and that we've conducted research on at Texas A&M is the 28 and 2 ratio. And what that is is 20 minutes of sitting, 8 minutes of standing, 2 minutes of walking. And I like the mnemonic because it, you know, obviously adds up to 30 minutes every every half an hour. You wouldn't want to do any one thing, right? It kind of sends a strong message. Hey, don't do anything, whatever it is, longer than 30 minutes. If you're going to take a walk, take a 30-minute walk. If you're going to stand, don't stand for more than 30 minutes. If you're going to sit, don't sit for more than 30 minutes. But if you want to try to think in your mind, how do I kind of keep a mnemonic to sort of break this stuff up? 28 and 2 works pretty good. What we did in our test at at Texas A&M is we put people through this regimen. And we compared them to themselves sitting for, you know, several hours. 
we said, okay, let's take a, a four 30 minute block. So two hours of time, let's have them sit for two hours and do work on the computer and measure, you know, output and cognition and how well they're focused. And then let's do the same thing, but break it up within every 30 minute block, those four blocks for 28 and two. And what we found was that there were some genuine improvements on several metrics and there were no degradations. So in other words, no one lost anything on the things your boss might be worried about, right? Your output, your productivity. And that was really important because we, we don't want to just tell people, hey, do this for your health. And then we find out it kills productivity, right? That wouldn't be good. So like the treadmill, you know, it's like, hey, hop on the treadmill. Okay, well, that's great. You probably be stronger and, you know, have better, better cardio. That sounds good. Oh, but you didn't get any work done. Oh, that's kind of bad. Like we can't have that, right? We got to have, the, you're at work. And so what can we do at work during the day that, that will keep us focused, keep us, you know, dialed in and attentive, be good for our health. It gives a little more calorie expenditure, for instance, if you're watching your waistline, but not cause any problems in our output or productivity. And that 28 and 2 ratio will do that. Mark, in any of your other research, as far as the sit and the stand and the, and the moving throughout the day, has that increased the productivity as well? Did you find it just specifically with this 28 and 2 research? Can you speak a little bit more on the productivity side of movement? Sure. So we've done several uh, studies that we were able to look at office worker productivity, for instance, in call center workers. Call center workers are really unique. You know, they are a group of folks who, man, they're on task, right? I mean, when they come into work, it's like the clock starts and you've got a job to do and you're being counted and monitored. And so it's a little different than most of us with our office work. It's hard to say what a productive day is for a professor. I can tell you that. I try often to do that. It's, it's tough to quantify, but for call center workers, we can do it. So we put sit-stand desks in for call center workers and we compared them to their teammates in the same building on different floors who didn't have the sit-stand desks. And what we found was that there was about a 40% difference in that company's product output. The way they measured that was successful sales calls. This is what these folks were doing is they were making calls to sell the company's services. And the people who had the sit-stand desk were about 40% more productive. And that was very eye-opening to see, wow, this is quantifiable. This means millions of dollars in additional sales that this company would get in a year from the folks working in this type of product. Now, was it they were happier and more engaged with the customer, right? They were more fun and they were more upbeat. Was it uh, more alert and focused? You know, were they more attentive because of that, the extra help with the cognition? We're not sure exactly all the causality and why, but we do, we do know the output. And we, we looked at this over a six-month time frame. So it wasn't like it was some simple little uh, snapshot or even worse, a, a laboratory study with grad students. These were real workers in the real world doing a real thing for six months, and they were more productive. The next big study we did out in California had 13,000 workers, and there we looked at computer metrics. So there's a software that monitors about 100 metrics for the computer. So imagine how many scrolls uh, you click with your scroll wheel, uh, how many times you click right or left, uh, how far your mouse travels, how many pixels on the screen the cursor travels through your number of words typed keystrokes entered typos errors all these things are measured and so every second of every day more than a hundred metrics were measured on 13,000 people and it was actually over several years and the folks who had the sit-stand desks which was I think it was five or six thousand out of the 13,000 had 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 those installed they were more 
productive on the output of the computer metrics. They were on the computer longer. They did more mousing activity. They did more keystrokes and keying. Uh, their total time on task was greater than their peers in essentially the same offices, six or seven offices around California that did not have the sit-stand desks. So clearly there's something going on. And you could say, uh, especially from an ergonomic perspective, well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that, or maybe that's just correlated. Maybe these are people who were already more healthy or fit or whatever, and they chose or opted in. And of course, I know better because that wasn't actually how the sit-stand desk allocations went. But um, it's hard to dismiss the, the really concrete data that shows that these things are doing something for us. So I think as we move into our remote office spaces, we really need to take that in consideration and, and think about, you know, providing this stuff for ourselves in our homes, as well as, you know, what we've had hopefully in the corporate world. You know, and Mark, something that I think ties in right here that we that we talked about during our, our pre-recording call was about productivity on Fridays. Was this a part of one of those studies? And, and what did you find there? Yes. We actually bumped into this because of Hurricane Harvey, of all things. We were monitoring workers through these types of software, and they were just cranking along, doing their thing. Some of them had sit-stands, some of them didn't. They were just in a corporate commercial office space down in Houston, and then Hurricane Harvey hit. And what happened was everybody got suddenly sent home to work from home. Does this sound familiar? You know, It was fascinating to us because it was like, oh, wow, this is kind of a moment in time. What's going to happen? So we kept the, the meter running, if you will. We kept tracking all those metrics. And for about 30 days, those folks who were displaced from their flooded offices in downtown Houston, they really did lose a step, right? I mean, that really impacted their lives. It could have impacted their children and their schools. It was tough. Uh, I was tough on Texas. I'll tell you, that was, a, that, was a, that was a hard one. But after about 30 days, all of those folks were still working from home because their flooded offices had to be remodeled. In fact, it took over six months in some cases to get them back in the, in the corporate offices. So they just work from home. But after about 30 days, we saw their productivity return to essentially the same levels that they were at before Harvey and when they were working in the commercial office space, which is really good news for us from the standpoint of COVID and the pandemic and the shutdown, because basically, you know, after a little bit of adjustments and some tweaks and, you know, of course, getting over the, uh, the idea in that case of a big hurricane, people were able to work from home just as productively as they were able to work from the office. And that, that's, that's important to business leaders as they ponder sort of what to do next with this whole idea of, of remote work. It's great to know that we can, as a you know, just as humans, we are very adaptable as humans. And so we, we don't really need to think that just being stuck in a new situation is going to be a detriment. We, we can change and our bodies will respond well to it, whatever the situation. And I really like the different insights you brought into how things will get back to normal. We just need to make a little, little changes. And I like that the focus is being put on there. Is there anything that you're excited about in the horizon? Any burning questions that are still being asked that you don't quite have the answer to yet that you're excited to find out more about? I'd say there's two areas right now. One is just in general, whether you're an office worker or a remote office worker, and that is around technology. So the softwares that we're utilizing that I mentioned before, they're pretty good at monitoring folks for some of the things they do when they're interacting with the computer. They're not as good at monitoring sort of what's going on holistically with the human. So are you engaged in a conversation or even worse, a, maybe a high volume conversation, right? You're, you're getting uh, chewed out by your boss or you're having to issue one of those types of things to your employees. That That's not the greatest time to interrupt people and ask them to do something for 
their health. They may really need it after that situation. So computers aren't quite there where they can monitor for those kind of things and sort of know and have intuition. Amber, if you walked into a cubicle and Curtis and I were in there sort of having a raging debate about something, you'd probably just kind of like, okay, just sort of back off, right? And go around the corner, like duck away like you never were there. You would know that's probably not the greatest time to interrupt and try to ask if we want to go to lunch or something, right? You just sort of skip it. Well, the computers can't do that yet, but they're getting better. And as they get better, they will become partners with us in our health. Right now, unfortunately, technology-induced inactivity where it you know, all this great technology sort of makes us more sedentary has been a problem. It's been, it's been kind of the issue. It, it, it will soon become the solution. And you will see more and more softwares monitoring things like biomarkers for the human. We are already doing things where we're prompting people through the computer to sort of say, give them a little nudge. You know, hey, I noticed this was going on. I've been counting, monitoring, checking. How about you do this? And this would be some sort of a healthy break, some sort of a, a mnemonic. Maybe it has to do with the 28 and 2 ratio or, you know, go outside and get a nature break, right? Go outside and have a little bit of time outdoors, get some sunlight, convert a little vitamin D. So that promise of technology fixing what it's caused, essentially, right? Because it's really caused us to be so inactive is exciting. And I think that's the the sort of the hope for tomorrow is that we figure out how to work with technology and sort of instead of right now we're kind of a slave to technology and it's really harming our health. We need to reverse that and have it help us and, and make us healthier. So I'm excited about that. I think that's that's what we're going to see next. I think that optimism is what we all need right now. So we just really want to thank you for your time and your expertise and and giving our listeners a taste and hopefully some insightful information as they are working from home. So thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. I got to say, I always enjoy talking to people who are doing the actual research. Researchers are very, they're an interesting breed because they just enjoy looking at and trying to find things that are different. And with that hard facts, you know, keeping that bias out is always a challenge, but really great to to get his insights. And I really liked that his his whole idea is he's excited about how technology, the way it's going, how unfortunately it's controlled us. You know, here's your computer. You don't need to move. Just stay at that computer all day. But how that technology is, you know, we we need to use it to get people to still be engaged, still move around. And there's a lot of good things coming and they've been working on it. And it's always, I think it's fun when you're the researcher and then something happens where you become so much more important and getting that support to do the stuff that you already knew was important. But now you have that support and backing behind it. Yeah, you know, I could not believe the numbers that he came up with with the call center study. 40% increased sales, not increased productivity as far as number of clicks on the computer, number of times they move their mouse, but actual dollars coming into the company. That is so significant. And I hope that our listeners can take away that little bit tidbit of uh, information. Definitely. So it's really great to get his insight. And, you know, I worked at a call center. So what's funny, back in college, I actually created my own sit-stand desk. Didn't know it, but hopefully that helped me be a better employee. But I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website, wellworkforce.com and click on connect with us. 
and email us with any questions or comments to podcast at wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.